Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Word, we will discuss a word, think community, balance, tenacity, etc., in hopes of motivating our audience to incorporate more of that into their lives. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Hi, guys. Welcome back. I'm so Hi. Happy to be here. We are actually broadcasting tonight from somewhere brand new. Um, we are at the Luminary Space in New York City. For those of you that don't know it, it is a beautiful co working space for women. Um, on 29th and Broadway, that's brand new. Um, our friend Carrie, who we talk about often on this podcast, our kind of catapult into becoming podcasters, introduced us to this space. And she actually grew up with Kate, who's the owner, right? They went yes. to high school together? Nope. Maryland. College? Okay. College. And what's interesting is that the reason we know Carrie, which is the reason we know Ming, which is the reason we know this place, is because of my dad, who's a special guest here tonight. So, Dad, welcome, Steve. Um, he can, they can't hear you, but we're happy that you're here. Um, so, tonight on the Dreamcatchers, we will be interviewing a dear, dear friend, one of my best friends from college. I'm so, so happy she's here with us tonight. Um, we're going to be talking with. Yes, Daisy. Stacy Sussman. Do you, by the way, you go by Sussman at work? I do go by okay, Sussman. Okay, so Stacy Sussman. I'm going to let her like in- introduce herself in a minute. She is um, our guest tonight for our What's the Word? And tonight we'll be talking to Stacy about balance. So give me a little bit of background on you, Stacy. Hi, listeners. How are you? I am here at Luminary with the fabulous duo from the Dreamcatchers. And we have some live audience members here that you can't see. I own SSR Digital Group, and basically, in a nutshell, we help small to medium startups grow their revenue in a lot of different ways, particularly with CRM, automation tools, strategy, and creating toolboxes to get them started or just to work more efficiently. Amazing. For those of us that don't know some of that language... (laughs) <laughs> CRM. Marks is like, can you back up and explain no, I, everything you just I said? I know what, actually, I know most of that language. <laughs> um, but for some of us that don't know some of the things that you provide, can you give in layman's terms a couple of your big buzzwords and what they mean? Sure. So every organization should have a way to efficiently make their workflow go and typically what folks use is a platform so a platform of crm could be something like a hubspot or a salesforce and is basically a platform that records all of your emails all of your activity phone calls tasks notes reminders it can automate a lot of emails like an operating tracking system correct yeah like in our world it would be an applicant tracking system in a recruiting worlds, but there's obviously databases that do that same task in any environment. Okay. Instead of just doing it out of 
Google, Gmail, or Outlook, the system would record everything. So as your organization grows and scales, everyone could share emails and notes collectively across the organization. Or collaborative, collaborative interaction, okay? Correct. And you help people or you help organizations, organizations get with the program. Correct. Cool. Sounds awesome. Um, so we're going to start from the beginning. One of our favorite questions that we always ask our guests, our first question, which is, what did you want to be when you grew up? And we I'm going to guess it had nothing to do with CRM. <laughs> yeah. We also talk no. about this always because there's no wrong answer. And honestly, we, you know, when we were kids, we had 20 answers. So what is the thing that you remember most about wanting to be when you grew up? I wanted to go into fashion. Mm-hmm. And Marissa Klein. That's me. That's you. <laughs> got me my first real fashion internship, Donna Karen. I did? Yes. Oh, my, with, Su- with Suzanne? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't even. That's in the grace of <laughs> true, true Dreamcatcher moment right there. You know what? I've been, do- I've been helping people for so long, I forget when I started helping. Oh, my gosh. Suzanne in college. From Ramakoy. Yep. Oh my God. That's and I so worked funny. at Donna Karen. I was the assistant to the assistant to the assistant of Donna Karen. And I spent my summer cleaning closets. And that's when I decided I didn't want to go into fashion yes. anymore. It is sometimes a bird's eye view. Welcome. Come on in. Hi. Welcome. Um, you know, it's funny. We're just greeting some of our new guests that are walking in. With, my, with my dad sitting here, of course, I'm sitting here saying, you know, I helped you get an internship at Donna Karen. <laughs> However, I've never actually gotten a job order or gotten paid for putting anyone to work at Donna Karen. So it just goes to show you why I've always made a business on being a, a nonprofit connector. Yes. <laughs> Well, I well, got some nice cashmere sweaters yes. that summer. <laughs> oh my and gosh, that's amazing. That's what I wanted to do. And then what it was a bridge, I feel like pivot from going into fashion and then I went into publishing magazines. So, it was being in fashion without having to be in fashion. Well, that I can relate to. And that a lot of our listeners can relate to because a lot of us, you know, people we talk to every day want to work in one specific space, whether that's fashion or entertainment. Um, and there's so many layers to what that looks like. So you obviously went from going, you know, thinking that you wanted to work in fashion in some way, loving clothes, loving, you know, brands, taking an internship, learning. And then once you graduated Michigan, by the way, go blue. Go blue. Um, where did you end up? Ming, what was Ming's your, here. Yeah, Ming is He's it, another go blue. Go blue. Lots of Wolverines we're in the out, room. We're outnumbered. Um, where spiders, did you end spiders. up? What was your first job out of school? Yes, spiders. Go spiders. Wait, no, we didn't ask for something. Was Donna, Karen, was Donna Karen your first real job? First real, like, corporate internship. But yes. what was your first job? Like, what did you do? Condé like Nast was my first real no, job. No. I'm talking like secretary. She worked at Spring Lake elementary Day Camp. School. <laughs> oh, like, not elementary school because that's Ca- young. Camp counselor, camp Spring counselor, Lake Day Spring Camp, Lake Day camp. and then like secretarial work. Perfect. And okay. now deal with technology. You know. Fine. So then your first like internship was Donna Karen. And so what was your fir- your? Go ahead, tell us about your first job out of school. First job out of school was at Condé Nast. So it was the. Taking the love for fashion, but working more in like <laughs> a sales role. Um, I worked at the bridal group, so it was Brides Magazine and Modern Bride Magazine. And so I worked at Condé Nast, but not at like the premier brands like a Vogue or something like that. And really just boot camp into learning about sales uh, from a magazine standpoint. Love it. 
Um, I'm pretty sure that that's one of my infamous stories, which I'll save for a rainy day. <laughs> what, your Condé Nast sure interview? That was my Condé Nast interview, and it was for brides. That's okay. You should tell it now. Fast. Tell it. Let's Let me tell hear. it. Yeah, let's hear it. It's one of Marissa's, it's like literally my favorite story. She tells it all the time. You should do it. So, go ahead. <laughs> was I there at the time? No, because no, you this were a was, child. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, she was, I'm way older This than was you. her first interview at first, a job out of school now, no, or was it an internship? I, I was looking for, I graduated, and I'm afraid to say it out loud to the listeners, but I graduated in a time it was extremely um, tumultuous to look for a job because it was uh, a time in, in, the, in the world called Y2K. Um, and we didn't blow up. No, we didn't blow up. We, we ended up having some really serious issues Other a couple issues, years later. And then that's when we graduated, yes. so we understand. Um, but at that time, I had already spent four years interning in beauty, and all I wanted to do was work in beauty. Like, that's all I wanted to do. I was a one-track mind. I'm exactly what I try to undo from people for people every single day. Um, and I had, like, legit nothing lined up. Nothing. And my dad, who he's here, um, hey, dad, um, really didn't have contacts in the industries that I was interested in. So I was self-hustling. And in those days, we would mail stuff in, you know, manila envelopes with stamps. And I got an interview. Um, actually, to be fair, I think it was my dad's friend, another agency that had a relationship with Condé Nast. Um, and he sent my resume to a competitive agency, competing agency, to send me in for this opportunity. Snail mail, right? Snail mail. Yeah, like, probably. Could have been snail mail. And Manila envelope. I went on the interview, Messenger. and it was for a sales assistant in the beauty department, and I'm 99% sure now it was Bride's Magazine. It was Stacy's job. It might like, have been. It was three years earlier. Before, before your yeah. time. Um, and I went on this interview, you guys. It was the windiest Day. What did you wear? I don't remember what I wore. <laughs> I just remember that it was like one of those days in Manhattan where it like didn't matter where you stood, but like it was gusty and swirly and <laughs> stuff in your eyes and your hair everywhere. And it was like crazy. But I was like so excited, dream job, beauty division, not, not editorial, but sales. sales and yeah. I get up to the lobby and four times one, square, four times square, go upstairs and I'm, Shitting my pants, excuse my language. <laughs> and I'm so excited. And the girl comes out, and she probably wasn't that much older than me at the time. She's very prim and proper, shook my hand. And, and I said, wow, we're not in Kansas anymore, are we? Made a joke. And she said, I'm Everybody from Kansas. Everybody a joke about Kansas, right? No, no. <laughs> but I was, I, re- I was referring to the Wizard of Oz. Anyway, we go in. We go through my portfolio. I was with her for easily an hour and a half. And I said to myself, I walked out of there, I'm like, I nailed this job. Got it, I got it, I know I got it. And I was so, so excited. And I went downstairs and I went to a payphone. <laughs> Sorry, swallow to pause. <laughs> I went to a payphone and I called the agency and I said, whatever the girl's name was, I think it was your friend Jody, I think was her name. Um, I said to her, I said, I just got out, it was phenomenal. I was there this entire time. She's like, You blew it in the first five minutes. Took right, took my wind, right, speaking of wind, right out of my sails. Meanwhile, I'm like hunkering down to the telephone pole, trying not to blow away. And I'm like, what happened? And I'm like, what do you mean? I was with her this entire time. My resume was perfect. She felt so positive about me. It's just like, you complained about the weather. And I said, I did no such thing. She goes, doesn't matter what you said. She thought you complained about the weather and it tarnished the interview. 
Jeez. So Isn't tough crazy. Critic. So we tell this story often because we say, you know, everything happens for a reason. Marissa was not meant to work there. She just wasn't. You were. But you were. But, you know. Isn't that crazy? I'm not bitter or anything, but it was. Don't it was, complain about it, the weather when you get on an interview, apparently. That's how we now <laughs> but tell I, people. To, it, I still feel to this day that I was not complaining, but she obviously didn't understand my sense of humor. And, and then spent an hour with you yeah, for no I reason. Know, waste of time. Waste Hashtag of time, lame. 2000. Very Condé nasty. Oh, yes. my goodness. All right. I digress. Okay. So are there any highlights from your first experiences? So although that you do something a little bit different now, which we'll get to in a minute, are there any highlights from those first few years at Condé that you still draw on today? Yes. I feel like they trained you really well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it was very much Mean Girls, so you had to have a tough skin. And no I, wind. No, there's no no, no wind. wind. <laughs> no complaining about the wind. No complaining about the wind. No complaining when I had to carry like 20 magazines to Ralph Lauren. No complaining when I was the AV squad. No complaining when I had to make up where my bosses were. You just sort of did it. Um, and I don't think they train people like they did do now, really, yeah. is the end. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. I was there during those yes, days. I'm it's sure. all true. It's all true. Yeah, I believe it. Um, so we touched on this a little bit. Are you still doing what you thought you wanted to do? Which obviously we now know you wanted to work in fashion. You're not really working in fashion anymore. Um, so talk about a bit, a little bit about your aha moment. Kind of where along your career did you decide which direction you were going to go? Because obviously anybody that looks you up will see that you've had a tremendous career in sales. <laughs> How did you kind of... Tell us a little bit more about your career path and how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I think magazine and publishing was really hot when we graduated in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Digital just, like, wasn't really a thing back then. And so it is now, and that's awesome, but I don't think those opportunities really existed. I'm dating myself, so we're talking, like, 2000. I was I was on a payphone. 2003. (laughs) With no envelope, so you're good. We had cell phones and barely had SMS, but um, we had Blackberries, actually, at the time. So I feel like those opportunities didn't exist, but I feel like branding from the Condé Nast days are really what is the foundation to a lot of the conversations I have and strategy and operations and sales. So it's similar, but the industry is just totally different. Well, you live action were part of it. You were at the front lines. Yeah, like you started in a career that started at the same time as you, basically. And I mean, I would think looking back on it, the fashion world completely revolutionized while I was working in it. I mean, the publishing media world completely revolutionized while you were working in it. We Correct. have someone in our audience today that works in the music industry, which obviously went through an in- incredible rebirth in the same decades because of the advent of technology. And what we're doing right now, which I think is kind of a throwback to the old school, <laughs> like listening like as if we're My on a radio like, show. good luck on your talk show. I'm like, <laughs> it's not a talk show, Ma. Like, it's well, called we a are podcast. Holding microphones. Kind of. like, or she'll be like, I watched your podcast. I'm like, that's not the, the right terminology. <laughs> like, we're supposed to be listening to it. Poor mom. Oh, that's mean. But it's, it's, um, but it's the but, truth. That's the generation that they're in. This is a but talk I would radio say I would them. say that we all our our decade plus. Yes, I mean me longer, but our decade or the last two decades have really been revolutionized in every creative capacity. And that, mm-hmm. granted, I can't really speak to. Obviously, there was a ton of change in the finance world too. But um, I don't. It doesn't affect my day to day, so I don't pay attention. Um, but in your world, I mean, you were right there. 
So all yeah. of a sudden, people were talking about digital. I mean, our last guest we had on was somebody that started her career virtually going to a place called Facebook, or as some would say, the Facebook. The Facebook. Um, and her father said it was the worst potential business move she could ever make, LOL. Um, and she's doing fine, and she's working at another one of those places called Twitter today. Um, but the world is completely different than when you started in it, and you happen to see it shake out and then figure out how your skills could reband and rebirth. I think the hardest part for anybody Correct. that came from traditional publishing and you can maybe speak to this, is diversifying your palette and then adding in those digital buzzwords. Correct. Well, I felt like you either go with the wave or you get lost in the tsunami. So I have a lot of friends that stayed in publishing and are sort of a little bit more dinosaurish and are out of a job now because they can't have their skill sets translate. Or I have a lot of friends that have molded and kind of went with the waves and took the skill sets and figured out how to make it applicable to what the industry is today. And when did you leave, how did you, when did you leave Condé? Is that when you started your own gig? No. So I feel like I've been in digital since like 2006. So it's been over like 12 years. Don't you remember my New York Magazine subscription in there? Yeah. Come on, girl. So I stayed in publishing. And Daily Daily Mail. Mail. I know your your resume, Stacey. Daily Mail is more like, Digital, I feel like, because there's it's we didn't touch like the newspaper. So walk or us through your career path, how you went from place to place. So I was at Condé Nast, then I went over to Rodale, R.I.P. It doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> but um, Men's Health and Best Life magazine, which so Men's is Health- Men's Health folded, or did they Men's go somewhere Health else? Was, um, Hearst bought it, and Best Life doesn't exist anymore. Got it. Then I went over to New York Media, which is New York Magazine, NYMag.com, Vulture, The Cut. That's where I really got like more ingrained in digital. And that's the, the reason I New figured it out was based on sales commissions. Um, our number for print was going up and our number for digital was going up, yet we'd get paid more to book digital revenue than print revenue and the print revenue was going down or staying stagnant and the digital revenue was growing so it just made sense for me to go into a digital job because there's more growth and opportunity and when you were at new york you were working in fashion again i started selling classified ads in the back of the magazine that's right (laughs) and then i went and sold beauty and fashion you definitely solicited me for those probably yeah yeah classified ads i remember we all we all help each other through the through the years um, so I think that pretty much brings us to... Yeah, well, then you went to some other digital properties. Then I went to some other digital properties. I went to some startups that don't exist anymore. I went to All Recipes, which was way beyond its time. Brand ambassadors, influencers. Before any of these buzzwords were around, All Recipes had been doing it for sure. years. Then I went over to Daily Mail for a while. We have a Daily Mail fellow alum in the audience, and I was probably employee number four and saw it grow to over like 200 in the U.S. So that was an amazing ride. It's very well known globally, but when I started, no one really even knew what it was mm-hmm. here. And then I went to an influencer company that actually recently went bankrupt. And I decided to go out on my own a little over a year ago. Quite a ride. Yeah, this is quite right? a ride. 
Because I remember, because obviously doing what we do for a living and Stacy being one of my dear friends, she would call me almost all of these changes and be like, so I think I'm going to take another job. Like, <laughs> I'm going to leave my job again. But the thing is about your industry, which is really interesting to share with our listeners, is there are certain industries where you have to go with the flow. Like you said. Yes. I liked what you said about the tsunami. You either go ride the wave or get lost in the tsunami is like there are certain industries where the only way to grow both financially or emotionally or professionally is to make a move. Or survive. Or right. just or survive just a survive. layoff. Yeah. Or survival of the fittest. Right. There. And so, you know, that's happening right now in, in media, which, you know, in entertainment media and broadcast media, you have to either keep going with it and and embrace the change like a Netflix or a Hulu, or you just have to get lost and in the, the tsunami. The media industry is not done like having its the rebirth. media it's still industry having its like decline it's, it's still in a rapid falling decline correct um there's and, just so much content too it's yes. just impossible and, to but stay we relevant. all we all rely on it so it will need to figure it will shuffle its deck and figure yes. itself out but not without a ton of casualties but from my perspective being in the sales and like commercial operations a lot of this is going to become automated is what um talking to my client, private clients about. And so I see the writing on the wall for my friends that are in sales still in the industry and saying, I'm doing automation tools. So I'm basically going to take you out of the equation in the next year hey, to three years. you know what? Years. LinkedIn exists and we still exist. There's place, ways to stay relevant, True. but it's very challenging. You know, but we there'll can be speak fewer jobs. Sure. And the talent will be uh, yep. a fight to the death. Sure, because yeah. they don't they won't necessarily need a salesperson because they'll have a system doing it. So That's speaking easy. of fighting to the death, <laughs> our word today, which I think you've probably reinvented several times throughout your professional career. And 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 believe you me, I'm not even talking about being a woman or being a mother or being all the things that we are so fortunate to be, especially here in this space at Luminary. Um, but the word balance professionally, you know, you've worked in a, in several corporate organizations that have, you know, ton of traditional ways of doing things. Then you've worked in very, um, startup entrepreneurial environments and now you're working for yourself. How do you believe that you've applied the word balance to your day to day, whether it's different, the same, some of it's. Some of it's the same, some of it's different. I believe that most of our listeners, including ourselves and our guests here, strive for the word balance on a regular basis. It's probably the hardest thing to achieve. What do you think? Yes. I think they're never, you're always trying to achieve balance, but I don't think you ever have balance in all of, <laughs> using a Jamie Klein term, in all the quadrants of life. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to think it, of it as like an apple cart. So I feel like some days, the cart's going and all the apples are in the, the wagon and then days like today when it's New York City, public schools close and there's no snow, the apple cart turns over and I just have to redo my entire day. So I think you're always sort of striving and struggling with balance and I think you're always doing one thing better than the other. And so maybe today professionally I'm killing it but personally, I'm not. Or tomorrow, I'm personally killing it. And professionally, I could do better. So I think we're always striving to have balance, but it's very, very hard, especially being 
owning my own business, being a working mom, having a family, living in New York City. The list goes on and on. There's always some sort of fire to put out. And I think that's, isn't that the definition of balance though? If you really think about it, like it's not necessarily having all of your stuff going right at once. In fact, if you think about a scale, like an old school scale, balance is that when you have stuff going on on both the highs and the lows. So we talked to Sarah Personette last week from Twitter and she talks about riding the middle. And that was our quote kind Which of- Which would make sense if you're on the middle of the circle. Correct. So if you ride that middle of that scale, you do have a ton of highs and you might have a ton of lows, whether that's professionally or personally. But the goal is to ride that middle ground and, and find comfort in the middle and figure out how that balance- but Being in sales, I like the highs and the lows. So I feel yeah. like I'm not a ride the middle. I'm a risk you, taker. You're a risk taker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're rewarded. You're yes. rewarded for that. So- so. As far as balance goes professionally, which is what I think I'd like to zoom in in a little bit, um, how do you feel about your day-to-day and, and managing your time um, in comparison underneath your own roof versus being you know, elsewhere underneath someone else's roof? Like we were talking a few minutes ago with one of our guests here, and she joined our uh, luminary, our members like, like we are, because she works from home and she missed having, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, I don't know if you missed it, but she was looking for community. that community and or to be able to maybe not bounce ideas off of each other, but at least say hello to somebody. Um, you know, so tell me, how has the experience been considering you've worked in so many different environments? How does balance apply to your professional choice of now being out on your own? So I think being a seller and being in sales. I was always running my own business within a larger corporation. So I think the job that I was doing and the duties that I was doing sets me up for success to owning my own business. Much, It's more comfortable to me than someone (laughs) that maybe had a department or had a big, you know, department to rely on. I felt like I was always in charge of my own ship, running my own business, running my own P&L, but part of a large organization. So I feel very comfortable waking up with a to-do list, meetings. I feel very self-motivated to do that. And I think... Self-motivation is key. Running your Mm -hmm. own business, those same principles apply. So a lot of those sales principles still apply. Whereas someone that was maybe supported by a much larger organization or had five other people that they were constantly collaborating with. I was always collaborating with a larger organization, but I sort of felt like I was always running the ship. And when you are balancing it all, what do you find or what do you take or what do you enjoy or what do you think inspires you? I like the highs of like being in sales. I like talking to people. I like interacting with people. I like closing deals. I love negotiations. And I feel like really with the broader picture of the whole company is I like helping people. So at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, I can set forth a plan with my clients and I can see the change. I'm working with the owners, the founders, the CEOs. We put a plan in place. We test that plan we could see results within a few days or a week, whether it's working or not, and we can continue on that journey or we can shift and pivot. Whereas in a larger corporation, something like this might take 
six months to actually come to fruition to see analytics behind mm-hmm. because it has to go through so many different levels and ranks of approvals. If someone was listening to this, so some of the things that Jamie and I have talked about on this podcast and every day in our everyday life, um, you know, there's so many, there's so much focus in the industry or in our industry put on being entrepreneurial, okay? Uh, whether it's like you know, Shark Tank or the newest, hottest brand, or you know, we we all are walking around showcasing and celebrating someone that had a really great idea. What I wanted to do on the Dreamcatchers was to celebrate people that are hustling in the corporate world and have a day to day that may not result in you know the next big it idea item yeah. or its solution. Like we're actually just part of the working fabric of. New York City and America, right? So if someone's sitting here listening to you, what would be some words of wisdom if they have a similar resume? And I'm assuming that a lot of people, certainly in the New York area, are media expats that have touched different pieces of the industry like you have and could probably very much relate personally to your journey. What would you say to them about you know, the, the market being saturated with other people that are freelancing or, you know, what have you found? How do you, how are you organically connecting to, in order to establish a client population? You know, what would be your words of wisdom for someone that wanted to follow your suit? You definitely need a community. So I've joined a lot of women's networking communities, places like Luminary, some other networking groups. You definitely need a community. So think of them as your Virtual coworkers, even though you don't have coworkers, maybe you're sitting next to every day. I would say it's definitely not for everyone. So I think there's a huge group of media expats that people have gone on to work for themselves. They've pivoted. And then I have a lot of expat media people that have gone on to do other sales jobs, like be like a real estate agent or like something like that. Else. So use your skill sets of selling, but take it to a different industry. And I think that you just have to really, really want it. You have to hustle. I would say I'm hustling more now owning my own business than some of the days working in corporate because I have to make it happen. I have to pay the bills, keep the lights on, and it's all for myself at the end of the day. So I feel like the hustle is definitely there, but you have to really, really want it because you could wake up and sit in your pajamas and watch Netflix, and that is Completely not my day. I am up and starting to work at 8.30 in the morning earlier than like any of like my corporate jobs and working. Some nights I work till midnight after I put my daughter to bed because the work has to, to get bed at done. Midnight? <laughs> <laughs> Sophie needs that's to a, go to bed earlier. That's a, that's a problem. 8.39. Right. Okay. Um, so we have a lot of mantras. I mean, one of the things that we talk about often with people that we're interviewing, people, our clients, our um our podcast guests is our mantras. So, bye, Daddy. My dad's leaving. Bye, Dad. Um, he stayed longer than he thought he would. Um, so we say often things like say yes. A lot of these are, I think, very applicable to your business. So one of my favorites is say yes, right? So I think you could probably agree with when you're in your own business like you are, and so as, as Marissa and I both are, even though under our dad's umbrella, you know, if we didn't say yes to almost everything that came our way, or at least tried to, we probably would be nowhere. Um, we talk about say yes, we talk about dream big, obviously is a big one for us. Um, and so we have a ton, and obviously we could talk about ours all day, but we'd love to hear from you 
um, if you have a mantra and kind of what that means for you. So for me, you know, I wear around my wrist a mantra band, which is a company that prints mantras on a bracelet, which I love, called Everything Happens for a Reason. Because the way that I live my life professionally and personally is that every single thing that happens to me is happening for a reason. And I will figure out what that reason is at one point or another. And I try to impart that on my candidates and clients all the time. So what would your mantra be, would you say? I have a few. And so I think the first year in business is being comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a really big lesson being in business this first year. Like you said, I've said yes to projects and clients and tasks that do I know how to do? Probably 50 to 70% and then the rest I can sort of just figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I feel like being uncomfortable is been a really interesting piece this year. You don't, if you don't I love ask, that, by the way. <laughs> Me too. It's so true. I'm always uncomfortable. <laughs> I actually have never been uncomfortable. Like, when was the last time I was comfortable? I'm comfortable never right com- I'm not comfortable no. right now. Can't decide <laughs> if I want to uncross my legs, cross my legs. Nope. Um, my okay. foot's balancing on a weird table. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Table. It's a great table. Um, uncomfortable. I love that. Another one is, if you don't ask, you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. So oh, Jamie loves that one. Mm-hmm. If you... Are scared or timid or don't ask, you don't want the raise, you don't want the bigger consulting retainer, the bigger hourly, you're never going to get. So I've always felt like I've been a bold person, so that works in the favor of kind of who I am from a personality perspective. But if you don't ask, you're not going to get, people aren't going to give it to you because Mm -hmm. you never asked for it. Yep. And then the last one, um, you've got this. And I think that goes back to feeling uncomfortable. You're just constantly telling yourself, I have a mantra band too. Mm-hmm. And it's, you've got this. You can do it. You're smart. You're capable. You started your own business. You like can figure SNL it skit. out. Like the SNL Yeah. From the old school. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. figure it out. I love it. There's always Google and YouTube too. You know what? Thank goodness. <laughs> Sarah Sarah just said the other day when we were interviewing her, she didn't know how to write a business plan. She Googled it. That's how she figured it out. It's crazy. You can really look up anything or figure out most things nowadays. YouTube videos. YouTube too. videos. Um, I love You've Got This. I, I actually love all three, and I agree with all three. You know what? And we would normally ask, like, what's your action word for 2019? Now we're a quarter of the way through. But I feel like I'm going to allow you to have multiple words. I'm going to break my rule a little bit because I think You've Got This. Is a, a can good, be your action a good word. action word. Unless you had one that was specific. I mean, no, it's, I mean, this year for me is the year of like growth. Personally, professionally, mm-hmm. just constantly moving forward and trying to achieve new things. And I think being uncomfortable will bring me to the growth. Yep. It's true. I love because it. if nothing changes, nothing will ever change. And nothing will ever happen and everything will stay stagnant. Exactly. Um, so we talk often for those who listen to us all the time, thank you for tuning back in, um, about superpowers. So we believe, um, wholeheartedly that everyone has an innate superpower of some kind. Um, not to be repetitive, but for those that are new listeners, we talk often about what those are. And so for me, um, most that would know me would describe me as being sparkly, right? So I think my superpower is being able to 
Jewy. make everything glittery. And you're just, only wearing black tonight. Though. I am wearing black. I'm wearing some some bling, but mostly black. Um, but really being able to bring glitter and sparkle to everything I touch and make people feel like I'm their cheerleader. Would you agree, Stacey? You're my friend. Yes, you agree? Okay. You, I agree. Um, Marissa, what did what do you like to talk about as your superpower? My superpower is that I am extremely um, proficient at at hearing and intuitively turning other people's lights on. Yeah, so I agree. I am able to dive in. I can I can hear what's traveling somebody without them necessarily telling me, and I can coach them um, toward whatever light it is that they're looking for. Like, and I I think of myself as somewhat of a a vessel of being able to get them to their next best self. And I think I think that that's really what I've been doing at Choice for almost fourteen years. Which is I, probably why we're good business partners. Yeah. She intuitively knows what you're thinking. And then I can make you really feel you super good sparkle. about it. And then I'll make your resume look amazing. Yes. Um, I find the glitter on the an- inside. Yeah. She puts it on, <laughs> on the, the outside. What would you say your superpower is? Everyone has one. That's a good one. I think I make people feel very comfortable being around me. And so I can help people really easily because I think people share a lot with me. More so, even if I'm your best friend or I'm your stranger, I'll get like the craziest and amazing tidbits from people. And then I feel like a lot of like pay it forward, I feel like. So not only am I connecting people and helping people, but I feel like that sort of karma always comes back to me. So I'm not asking for anything financially or any reward or any pat on the back, but I feel like just being that person, um, the karma sort of comes back. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I think that you're a natural connector. It's something that Marissa and I talk about all the time. We are as well, where you just know the hot thing, you know the things, you know the people, you know how to connect people. You're passionate about doing that, making sure people feel connected to each other. Um, And I always throw people on like email threads. They'll be like, you guys should chat. You meet yeah. these yeah. people. Yeah. We're the same people. Yeah. Yeah. Chat you guys and like speak. connect. Yeah. Connect. Totally. Have coffee. <laughs> yep. Um, so obviously, you know, I know you've been a guest on a few podcasts before, and now this being your kind of industry, is there anything that you feel like we did not ask you that you, that would, you would like, like to, to share? share? I don't know. That's a really good one. I mean, I feel like the industry. Industries are changing incredibly. Even we're here podcasting. We're here podcasting live. We're here podcasting live from a co-working space. That's a women's Yay, only yeah, it's like co-working space. It's literally hashtag all jargon if you think about it. It's yeah. like all this new amazing stuff that's so happening. I feel like if you love technology, you like technology, or you're resistant to technology, it is changing the way that every industry is working. It's changing <laughs> media, it's changing real estate, it's changing finance, it's changing education. So people really need to embrace all these technology changes, whether or not you like it or not, because it's here, it's coming, the wave when is happening. When he needs to hear this. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll make sure dad listens back. to this part. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're not going to be able to grow. That's the end of it. I work across so many sectors now. I work with education, finance, e-commerce, cloud logistics, and the problems are all the same. <laughs> and they're all trying to use technology to change the way they're revolutionizing their business. So if we have a listener that is in the process of growing their brand and would be interested in finding you, where can they find you? 
ssrdigitalgroup.com. You can email me, Stacy at ssrdigitalgroup.com. I'm sure you guys can post it in your comments. We will. Stacy is S-T-A-C-I-E yes. with a heart over the I. Correct. <laughs> Always. Sussman, S-U-S-S-M-A-N. And I mean, drop me a note, email, LinkedIn, Facebook, anything. I'm no harm, no foul, because if you don't ask her for it, you won't receive it. Correct. And you know what? We like to close our chats with a little bit more personal stuff because we just think it's fun. In fact, Carrie, who was our first interviewer, always asks, if you were a rock song, what would you be? And we love that question. So we came up with our own version. You can answer that one if you want, but we can That's just... hard. Okay, so you don't have to answer that one. That's Carrie's question anyway. So we like to ask a couple things that just get to know you a little better and like stop talking about some of the more specific and professional things. But... Um, I think a lot of who we are as humans, Marissa and me, are, you know, where we grew up and like what we loved about where we grew up. And so we like to ask our guests, what was your favorite order at your hometown favorite restaurant? Like, what did you order? What was your the like diner. thing that you would, okay, so what did you get at the diner? <laughs> Cheese fries. Oh, the diner, like, yum. The did you George get disco diner. fries though? Like, did you dip in gravy? Or no, no, no gravy Such for a Jersey me. thing. And that, that diner's in Wayne? Wayne, New Jersey. Wayne, New Jersey. King George Diner. W. Cheese fries. Mozzarella. Amazing. Um, we also got super inspired with a question that Sarah, our guest from last week, asked me once at a dinner party that I love, which is, and I know you love to travel. In fact, we studied abroad together, so I love to talk about travel with you. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? One, alone. Two, with a partner, like Rodney or whomever. And three, with your best friends. I want to go somewhere exotic these days because it's snowy and cold in New York City. Um, alone, I would probably go somewhere in like the Far East. Uh, we honeymooned in Thailand and I would love to explore like Singapore, Hong Kong, China. I would do it alone. That's fine. With Rodney, we that's my husband. Hi, Rodney. <laughs> oh, you would like to go on an African safari. We are I highly missing. recommend. We have a wedding um, that we're not going to, so we're, we would like a rain check on our African safari. It's the best. And um, we what, can swap because I did that for my honeymoon, and what you did for your honeymoon, I've always wanted. Who was to do. the third one alone with your with friends. friends? I hope I get to come wherever this is. Yeah, hopefully we'll have some really good bachelor at parties coming <laughs> up. I hope and so. I would pick anywhere exotic, anywhere warm, anywhere we can like sit on a beach and just laugh. Chill. You know, I just was seeing that Sarah Blakely, who's one of my favorite um, entrepreneurs who invented Spanx, she takes her girlfriends every year for the last 13 years, I think it is, on a vacation. She doesn't tell them where they're going. Love this. Sounds amazing. She literally just tells them what climate to pack for. And tells them like to get to meet I'm her at the airport. All thirteen of them can sing. And they calories. go every year. And this year they went to Turks and Caicos, and I was following, and they all were wearing cute Spanx um, bathing suits, and I just love that idea. And one day, because of this podcast, no, I'm just kidding. I will. We are going to do that. Pay for all of you guys to go somewhere awesome. Dream big. Dream big. Um, and to close it off, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot, obviously, just talked about Spanx, which has always <laughs> been a brand crush of mine. I think from the very beginning is a brand crush. So we talk about this in our day-to-day all the time because a lot of candidates will come into our office and have absolutely no idea where to begin. Like, where do I start looking for a job? How do I start looking? And so one of the things I challenge them with, we have a ton, but one of them is the brand crush project and coming up with who do you love? Who do you crush on? 
what are the brands you love and why, and then applying to work at those places, and then also applying to work at their PR agencies and their media buying agencies right. and all of the other pay people that touch those brands. And that's just a way to start your, your job search. So sidebar, what would you call your current brand crush? I, I always talk about Swell Bottle as one of mine. I just think it's genius what they've done for the reusable water bottle space. Or the wine. Or wine. One track wine. Um, whatever you p- decide to put in your swell. But um, what would you say your brand crush is? I love all these women co-working spaces. So like things like Illuminary, things like The Riveter, things like The Wing. Yep. I think those, this women entrepreneurial space, um, women only, sorry men, I just think all of us We didn't should, tell her to say this, by the way. I love this answer. All of us should rise together and not put each other down. I think everyone should support each other. So I feel like brands that are coming up with um, a focus on women, focus on women being minorities, I really think that's going to be the wave of the future. And I think the landscape of work is going to change. And it's because of companies like this that work's going to change. And I fundamentally believe in this. I have a daughter. I would love her to grow up and not feel tied to a desk, nine to five, eight thirty to six. And she and, could do it all. And she could do like it all. And she could yeah. be whoever she wants to be. And I think the women's co-working spaces and these women's only networking groups are just gonna change the landscape completely. I hundred percent agree. And I I'm sure Kate who Kate Luzio, our the founder of Luminary, would love that answer. I'm sure she's in the building somewhere. We'll make sure she hears that you said that. I love that. Um, There's so I, many of them. Yeah. Um, we happen to be in a gorgeous one today, but they're all doing great things, and I think it's just going to continue. I agree. We're women. Yeah. Women. It's International Women's Day. The future is so female. future is yes. female. Yes, one of our guests is wearing that on her shirt right now. It's International Women's Day this week, so it's really timely. And um, this month, I feel like there's a lot in, of companies right? celebrating. Awareness month, or I don't know what they call it now, but... Um, well, I think that was great. Thank you so much for being here, Stacey. I think what you have love to say is just so inspiring. You. And I loved having my worlds collide this way and having you on our podcast. So thank you for being here. Pleasure. Jamie and I are lucky. We surround ourselves with some pretty powerful women. Yep. Totally. Very, very lucky. I, and I'll close by saying thank you for being here, Stacey. And I've known you for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice to see what you, such an elegant grown-up that you are. So elegant. So elegant. Thank so elegant. you. Just like you were Just when you like studied. Just like those Donna Cara internship days. When you studied abroad in Italy <laughs> and I visited. Okay. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks, Ciao. guys.